good day. Welcome to the Ag Market Network monthly cotton market teleconference. This is our June edition. My name is Pat McClatchy. Uh, we want to uh, thank, we want to recognize our sponsor, BASF, the owners of FiberMax and Stoneville Cottonseed, for making this program possible. We have a little bit of an unusual program today. Dr. O.A. Cleveland, uh, who was to lead us today, is... I don't know if many of you, everyone knows, that had considerable rain in Mississippi, and there have been some flooding problems in the Starkville area where OA is from, and he had told me a few hours ago he might not be able to make it because of some issues. So we're going to kind of have a, a, a group discussion of the, uh, of the crop report, supply and demand report, uh, and so from, from our cotton panel that is with us, and as OA is able to join us, and we'll bring him into it, uh, we want to start today with Kip Butts, who will talk about uh, the supply and demand report, uh, the, uh, the world side of it, and then we'll go over to John Robinson and have him talk about the U.S. Uh, Kip, Kip, thanks for leading us. Sure. Hi. Um Wanted to just uh, comment quickly. We're, we're kind of adapting and adjusting here, as Pat said, uh, in, with uh, with always absence. But the report today, uh, I'm going to talk about the WASDE report primarily, um, can be considered, I think, uh, a bit moderately uh, supportive to the to prices, in that the uh, the report today showed uh, a decrease in the ending stocks of about 1.7 million bales in the world. Uh, the biggest adjustments were in China, where they reduced the crop size, 750,000, increased imports a half million, and increased milieus a half million, taking the ending stocks down to roughly a million or so bales uh, in China. I think the bigger deal on this, uh, well, not the bigger deal, but there were several interesting things in the report. Uh, India, they reduced uh, the mill use from 25.5 to 25 even. I think that's probably, although I didn't read the text on this, I think that's probably due to the COVID problems they've had and the decrease in mill use uh, as a consequence of, of that action. They've had a really bad outbreak there. I think that's impacted uh, quite a lot of their uh, their industrial production, and not just in cotton, uh, in cotton mill use, but lots of other things as well. So uh, the production in the world was down uh, just a shade. Domestic mill use was increased uh, uh, a little over a million bales, and uh, as I said, the ending stocks were down 1.7. There weren't a lot of really dramatic changes in this report. We saw um, a bit of adjustments in a couple of places for uh, imports. I think Turkey was increased a couple of hundred thousand for imports. They also increased the domestic use there, keeping ending stocks that were about the same. Um, let's see, I think Bangladesh was increased just a little bit. Yes, Bangladesh mill use was increased from 8 to 8.4. And I think these kind of new use increases we're seeing, other than the COVID-related India, are primarily due to what we expect to see uh, as an increase in consumer demand. There's some pent-up demand because of the uh, the COVID pandemic, and uh, we're seeing um, world growth increase just a little bit. I think the World Bank increased uh, world growth this coming year a little over 5%, with China up, I think, a little over 8%. So... 
you know, there's a lot of good things going in this market as far as underpinnings for the economy. And um, so I think that was reflected in this report. I'm going to, if you don't, if there any uh, thing anybody need to correct or, or, uh, or add to on this rural number, I think I've covered uh, in summary what happened in this report. I think, Gerald, didn't you just hop on? Yes. Okay, did you did I cover everything, or did you see something I might have missed? I'm going to turn the, the U.S. over to uh, to John and let him talk about that. Uh, so I, I didn't mention that the uh, U.S. exports were increased for both uh, last year and this crop year, uh, 150,000 for last year and 100,000 for this year. Well, let's go to Which, John, and then we'll circle back around to, to Gerald. Good deal. All right, Thank so you. so. Uh, what uh, what Kip described as kind of the, the month-over-month adjustment in the world is pretty much the same pattern uh, for the U.S. We saw we saw modest uh, tightening, um, mostly from consumption. Well, all from from consumption uh, increases. So Kip just mentioned both old crop and new crop. There was an increase in uh, in uh, quantity uh, exports. Um, reflecting really the pace of shipments um, that's that's been been pretty high so in the old crop uh, we have 150,000 more bales of exports which went right to the bottom line lowering carryout so on the new crop balance sheet we have that lower carryout they didn't do anything else on the production side uh, and then they raised new crop exports so that uh, that tightened us up from uh, you know, it was 100, 200,000 bales tighter month over month. It's the level that catches my eye. We went from 3.1 last month to 2.9, which is pretty low, pretty low, pretty tight. Um, and this is only what, what gets my attention now, and I'll just kind of begin to prognosticate about what might happen more on the on the production side in the U.S. You know, I would say, you know, we're kind of in the middle of the normal kind of weather market time of the year that we're in the middle of the period when there's the most uncertainty about crop size, crop condition. And this year, really what's because of what's happened in the last month, uh, it's, it's even more so of a, of a, of an uncertain picture. Um, now some people might've wondered, well, what, you know, why didn't USDA change anything? on the production side. And I think the simple answer to that is they really lay their cards down in, in May. They make whatever assumptions they're going to make on, on historical average yield and historical average abandonment. They'll make those assumptions in, in May. They'll apply it to the prospective plantings from March, and, and that's their production number. They really have no, they have no strong basis for changing. And, of course, conditions did change in the last 30 days, it got really, really wet. Um, but to my way of thinking, that that picture is still kind of a big muddled picture of uncertainty. The, the moisture that we had in Texas, which was excessive in many places, it's still going to have effects that are going to be both positive and negative. Um, you know, very simply, some places that were way too dry got moisture for plant or they planted it dry and it got it got uh, rained on after that or, or they had planting moisture uh, whereas other places you hear all the reports from all the regional cotton agronomy specialists 
you know, every one of them said, you know, we're dealing with situations of either prevented planting because it was too wet to get in before the planting deadline or cool, damp conditions which are affecting germination. Uh, and if you go further south where the crop is further along, then you had saturated fields and you've got weed problems, uh, big time weed problems. Uh, so good and good and bad things. Uh, some of the ones while I'm still on South Texas, you know, the net I, I'm, I'm going to guess is still going to be a positive thing. I've, I've heard some estimates that, you know, in the coastal bend, which is largely a dry land region, uh, you know, they did get more rain than they wanted or needed, but they're still in a situation which might end up, uh, the numbers that were given to me were they might end up with 8,000-pound grain sorghum, which is a very good yield. And uh, and three bale cotton on that on that uh, dry land clay, so you know that that sounds pretty good. It, there's there's <laughs> it remains to be seen down there, and it's certainly it it's it's just a mixed bag which will only begin to be reflected in the July report with updated acreage, and you know really until we get you know field sampling, proven yields determinations, which in in Texas that frankly doesn't really start till september so there's we're it's going to be a while uh for this mishmash of uh of field influences to get sorted out and and guesstimated and confirmed uh that uncertainty will probably buoy the market so here we are at 88 something i think um you know i think that's the basis for us easy to ride is rising up just it's not that far to the mid 90s i i think we're in that time of the year where we have that weather uncertainty. This is going to be the time for the next few months uh, to see that sort of volatility as a result of this uncertainty. So that's pretty much my thoughts, Pat. I think O.A. has joined us. O.A., are you there? I am, Pat, and I'm learning, uh, being educated by what John is saying. <laughs> I don't know what y'all said before now, but uh, uh, you asked me a question or carry forward or whatever. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Gerald, what are your thoughts? Um, I don't know. <laughs> you know, this is com typically this is the time of the year when the crop is growing pretty good and it, it so, sort of enter into the summer blahs and, and the market reaches a peak at least new crop and you, you tend to drift down until you get a little bit more information about the uh, about the new crop well i guess we're drifting up because we do have enough information about the new crop and it's not very good um you know yeah the the rain was beneficial in south texas the uh, the rain is beneficial in, in west texas but you know in both areas they're, they're late so we're not going to have an early crop to to offset this you know these lower ending stock numbers and and so there's going to be quite a bit of pressure I think on 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 the market for quite a while it's uh, I, I don't know really how the, the crop in the Delta is getting along but uh, I think it with with as much rain as they're getting it's got to be um, uh, it's got to be a challenge over there as well so um, I, I think this is I think this is as much of a weather market and a supply in a demand-driven market is, is anything. And, and, and demand-driven market and a weather market, 
That's uh, that's a really good recipe, I think, for uh, for volatile price action. Well, well OA, what uh, uh, you're in Mississippi and you're aware of the the uh, extreme amount of rain we've had recently. What are you hearing about conditions in the Delta and the Mid South? Well, a lot of the Delta, we're up to the seventh node that's underwater right now. Uh, I'm on the other side of the river and uh, along the Tom Bigby River, and it's flooding because of water, because of barge, barge sank and blocked the dam. Uh, it's, it's unbelievably wet. I've never seen it like this. Uh, so uh, you don't read of delay or, or missed plantings or unable to plant for during the season in Mississippi, Arkansas, Louisiana. But uh, we've got uh, thousands of acres that we were unable to plant, will not get planted in the Delta, and that's something that you just don't see. Uh, and as a consequence, uh, the, the crop today is in trouble. But I also remember walking the crop in, uh, I believe it was 1981 on July the 4th, and it was not yet knee-high, and the weeds were higher than the cotton. And up to that time, or that particular year, we made a record crop in Mississippi. So uh, we say all the time, what happens tomorrow is a whole lot more important than how, what happens today. But as a, we had a record yield, excuse me. Uh, but uh, we've got so many acres in the Mid-South. Southeast, too, the, what we call cotton land. It's not planted to cotton. It's planted to corn. So we're going to have a yield problem anyway because the quality of the soil regarding what we've planted this year reference what we've always planted. The, the high-yielding land is uh, some of it's there, but just most of it's gone to corn. So the crop is the crop's in trouble. Well, uh, if if this is a... Uh, possible, possibly a demand-driven market and possibly a supply-driven market. Just how high can we go? <laughs> how high can you fly? Huh? Oh, well, you know, we noted uh, dollar cotton in Brazil yesterday, dollar cotton in China yesterday. So as my tweet said, coming soon to North America, dollar cotton. I don't know. Uh, 95 cents to $1.05 would be what I had suggested last week. And I think we're headed there. I think demand is such. The, the report came out, in my opinion, a lot like I thought it would, other than probably more bullish than I expected. Uh, so I think we have a very strong market coming in front of us. I wouldn't be surprised to go over the dollar nickel, but uh, I'm just taking it slow right now. All right. Let's hear from other people. Well, I think uh, I'm going to make a comment regarding man-driven. I think that you made that statement. I think that's really the driving factor right now, and that is uh, this consumer demand is very, very strong. I've been uh, – mill demand in the near term has been quite a bit better, I think, than a lot of people expected. The kind of transportation challenges we've had this year, it is uh, – it's really interesting that we're able to keep uh, – today we had uh, – our uh, exports weren't as big as they had been the last several weeks, but they're still quite good given uh, the challenges we're having with both truckers and with uh, the container situation and, and the uh, 
and the, the backlogs at the port. So I, I think that's it, it's quite interesting that this pent-up consumer demand we've been hearing a lot about, I think it's real, and that is not going to go away regardless of what happens on the production. I think we're going to continue to get this strong demand. We may see a bigger switch to polyester faster than we would otherwise, but that would only be because cotton's not available. So uh, as far as price levels, I don't see any real problem with the 95-plus market. I will not be surprised uh, if we do reach or exceed a dollar. That, that would not be surprising to me, uh, particularly given uh, any kind of production problems. We saw China's uh, production reduced on this report. Um, there's no reason to think that, you know, it, as Gerald mentioned earlier, it's way early, and so there's an awful lot yet to happen. So uh, production can go up or down, but I think that the demand is pretty solid and looks like it's going to be solid at least for the next several months, if not much longer than that. You know, the the other thing to consider is that uh, the speculators, the the managed money guys had had I wouldn't say all but abandoned cotton, but I think this report's going to give them a reason to come back in in a big way. So um, the uh, they could they could easily come in and 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 drive this thing up five cents in in a two or three day time period. Um, just to just to get back into the game, and so that's uh, that's something to keep an eye on. There's a lot of room for the for the managed money to to add to positions. Hey, Gerald, the uh, the technical picture is kind of firming up a bit for cotton as well, isn't it? Uh, yeah, you know it's getting a little frothy, but there's still room for it to move higher. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I would say, you know, it's probably on a scale of 1 to 10, you know, uh, 5 being perfectly neutral, you know, we're probably sitting at about an 8 right now. Mm. Okay. So, I mean, it's it's not monster overbought by, by any stretch of the imagination. Right. Okay. Anyway, let's take Thanks. a break here. Let me open up the lines here just in case anybody's got a, anything they want to say. Talk about crop conditions, ask questions of our panel. Let's just see. Uh, I'll open up these lines, and then uh, after a question is asked, if there is one, we'll close it back up because it gets a little loud. So hold on just a second. Let's, uh, let's unmute these lines. All right, has anybody out there got a question for our panel? Anybody want to talk about the crop, about conditions? Anybody want to jump on us? (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, I guess no questions or statements. Pat, if I may, if I can just jump in a minute. I know y'all covered this, and I apologize for not being on, but uh, I personally, I know it's extremely early. I know that. Been there, done it, made the mistake a lot of times. But uh, I personally feel that the from what I have picked up, the West Texas crop is not as good as what a lot of people think it is. They still had a 
decent-sized portion of their land that did not get water, that did not get the rain. And uh, John may have covered that. So I think it may only add to the abandonment. It may not hurt yield, but it will certainly add to the abandonment. And it makes that Texas crop smaller than what we have been anticipating. I think the U.S. crop is without question smaller because of the uh, uh, planting issues in the Delta and the Southeast. Louisiana has hurt. Arkansas has hurt. Mississippi's hurt. Uh, we've got some awfully good land in the Carolinas and in the uh, Alabama River area of Alabama that uh, couldn't get planted or, or either was taken out of cotton this year, and I, I wish the crop would be 18 million bales, but I'm, in my mind, unquestionably, it's below 17 million bales. I think this one will turn out to show, show us that, but uh, hopefully I'm wrong. I would drop John down to no more than uh, down to about 2.4, 2.3 million bales. Go ahead, I'm sorry. I was just going to ask John if he was picking up anything in, in, in West Texas where they did get rain. You know, you went from basically a drought to a flood in two weeks in parts of West Texas. I'm just wondering if if you're picking up that guys went ahead and planted corn instead of cotton. Sorry. I, I, I hadn't heard that this year the way I had, was it? two years ago when it was really, really wet and a lot of corn got planted rather late. I hadn't heard that from growers. I've just, the communique from all of the um, uh, agronomy type people, cotton specialists, just simply reflect a little bit of everything, basically. You know, some places too wet, some places the rains were salvation. Um, or well, some places the rains helped and some places they hurt. Um, I never personally know, I know a lot of places were up against their crop insurance planning deadlines, whether that ultimately gets prevented or whether it gets planted, ignoring the calendar, I, I would just have to wait and see, you know, I don't know. The sample area is so big that there's, every year there is always, you know, a bit of everything and it's, it's just hard to, it's hard to summarize. Well, okay. I'm wrong, but they would be planting rain for them, not corn, wouldn't they? But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it would be corn. Well, well some maybe places, a little bit of both. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Some places in some years, you'd be surprised where they'd plant corn, when they'd plant corn. <laughs> okay. Tohoka, Texas, you know, right on the highway. Uh, but, yeah. yeah, there has been a lot of talk about sorghum. Sorghum prices are excellent. Uh, there was talk about planting irrigated sorghum, you know, before it started raining in lieu of cotton. So that was just kind of one of those things that I was, you know, I was just going to wait and see. Um. On balance, though, with the limited information we have, since we got these rains, would you say we're in a slightly better or slightly worse sort of? position for cotton in West Texas than we were before? I know that's kind of a hard, that's, that's a hard question to answer. My, in, my inclination, answer. my inclination is to expect that the rains are a net benefit. I'm just, okay. just, just because of the cotton that was intended to be planted 
and might have might have been dusted in, and now it's been rained on, and let's just mm-hmm. see what happens. But uh, I'm I'm going to take a wild guess and say I, I think it's going to result in more cotton production than what it would have been without the rain. You know, it, it, what we've heard, it sounds like the really, really dry area that looked like it was hopeless a few weeks ago uh, got, maybe got enough rain to get it up, but there's no run, there's no moisture behind it. So, so th- those areas are going to need more rain, and uh, it's not going to be a real quick insurance write-off if that if that cottons up. They're going to give it some right. time. So, so anyway, it's it's which makes it harder as from an analyst perspective. It makes it a lot harder. I mean, it's the, the easiest thing to size up is something along the lines of the 2011 drought, which was Armageddon from the start. You know, and then you could just write stuff off. But this is just typical. I mean, Gerald already mentioned the weather market. This is just kind of typical of the uncertain mishmash, which is just going to take a lot of time to resolve. Yeah, and there's no there's no way around that. Yeah, and that's the demand side, and we some of us have had a tendency to, to to look to the west and want to watch Texas, and we've forgotten that there's this big demand monster that's there, and uh, so it's the action in cotton has been pretty impressive. I was trying to point out earlier that we do, the certainty we do have is the demand side, and if we get a larger, so we're looking at. A, Ending stock now at 2.9 million bales uh, for for this drop year, and if in fact we have a production problem, that number is going to be <laughs> down quite a bit, which is going to create some kind of price action, and I think that's going to be positive. So, you know, if it gets a little larger, we take it the crop, I mean, it goes from 2.9 to something probably not a lot larger than that, because if we get a little bit more cotton production, I think there are going to be people there to buy it. So our our export number then goes from a 14.8 to maybe something over 15 plus. So I, I think uh, your comment, Pat, is, is timely, and I think it's important. We do have to recognize that the demand side of this market has been what's driving it in the short term, and I think it's going to continue to be. Yep. Okay. Let's let's ask the panel where they think December can go, and I know that's, you know, who knows. But let's ask that, and let's also ask along with it, farmers that are watching this market wanting to know, okay, where do I sell cotton? What do I do? Let's address that. Um, Gerald, let's start with you. Well, I don't think we're just going to go straight up. We are getting a little bit stretched out, uh, but I don't think we would fall very far. I mean, I think 86 cents, 86 to 86 and a half cents is is very good support on the downside for right now. On the on the upside, you know, there it's a it's a decent demand market, but uh, the uh, but there is resistance in these mills to start to 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 price anything much over a dollar a pound and and they're turning now that they may not have a choice here in 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 the in the not too distant future 
but I I, uh, I I know that there's a there's a resistance to to pricing it uh, much over a dollar a pound landed, even for good quality U.S. cotton. So I don't know how much further we can go in the short term on the upside, but longer term, you know, um, I don't know why OA's numbers of 95 to 105 possibly more is, is not uh, is not doable but uh, in the short term I think uh, if, if anybody wants to to play the 105 game uh, more power to them but you might want to think about it at some point pricing a pricing a put just just in case something happens to to drop the, the to uh, to really drop things out of uh, out of whack here on the downside. I don't know what that might be, but, uh, you know, our, our economy is, is looking good, but, I mean, if all of a sudden um, you get a big sell-off in the Dow Jones or the NASDAQ or the dollar starts rallying big time, which it doesn't look like it's going to do, you know, you can change things in a, in a hurry. But uh, I think 86 to, to 106 probably is – is is a is a range in, in the foreseeable future in the next maybe three to, to four months. Okay, John. I was I was truthfully going to say eighty five to one hundred five, so I'll just say it. You know, <laughs> one penny different to shift it down. <laughs> All right, Kip. Well, I mean, I, I mentioned earlier, I'm, I have no problem with the one hundred five plus at the upside. Because if we do have a production problem here, I think that demand picture is going to continue to be strong. I agree with Gerald that particularly with uh, with prices here and what we think we know about the uh, the world market this early on, that uh, mills are going to be reluctant to to pay over a dollar. But if in fact we do get some sort of production problem and and something and the demand continues. The futures are not going to reflect what the mills do initially, and we're probably going to wind up the prices well over 105 that we've talked about here actually comes to fruition. And I like the, the comment that Gerald made about, you know, we're not going to go straight up. This market has held pretty pretty well at 84, 86 cents in here. So just for the sake of not following the crowd, I'll say the bottom end is 84 instead of 85 or 86, and the top end is 105 plus. Okay. Away. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I, I, Gerald made some excellent comments, uh, really, about uh, only three weeks ago, uh, uh, Mississippi River got blocked up at Saint at, at Memphis, and uh, I, I don't remember what it was. That sometimes every week in the financial, all of a sudden December, we were scared that it was going to eighty-one cents. So, but it held the eighty. 81 and a half, 82 cent level. It broke the resistance at 85 cents. So that's our support. So 85 cents area is is, is the low in the market. Uh, I've got this crop coming down to about 16.5 million bales, uh, and that's where I get the low carryover. So I think we go higher. It, it obviously not right away. We do have potentially some problems to come, but uh, 105 is. Uh, Easily within my reach, and from there on, who knows? Yes, yes, it can be a problem with those prices, but I won't go into whatever it's going to, $70 or whatever now. People say momentarily it might go to $100, and then that asking. Uh, 
demand, 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 and we've been seeing every month demand increasing. So I like uh, I like better than a dollar and five, but I just I don't go for a dollar and a nickel right now. Well, well, let me throw this out there for anyone to comment on. You know, we haven't talked about these funds lately, and we know what they can do if they get going. Uh, oh, uh, Gerald, I mean, how close are we to the point where they're going to come in and start rolling with this market? I would have, you know, volume's been pretty decent the last couple of days. Of course, a lot of that is driven by the, the Goldman Sachs uh, of long-only roll fund. So, um, you know, right now I think people are still concentrating on getting their positions shifted from July into December. Um, once that gets done, you know, maybe the funds come in and, and start pushing this thing pretty heavily. But I wouldn't be surprised if they haven't already started, particularly once we took out uh, um, $0.87 cents yesterday. Okay. Any, any great questions? comment. Great comment. Great, great comment. Like, you know, what was weeks ago we were talking about? Well, the funds really backed out of the market. There's just so much in there now. I don't remember the numbers. I went back and looked at it. And a year ago at this time, there wasn't a whole lot of difference in their positions. Uh, a little bit less this year, but not a whole lot of difference. And said, well, a lot of room for funds to come back in. Who knows? Funds will be back. As Gerald said, probably already back in. We don't know it yet, but they'll probably doubling up from where they are now. Any other Thanks. comments? All right. Well, let's wrap this up. I uh, want to thank uh, our speakers uh, for uh, joining us today. Uh, thanks again to BASF uh, for supporting us and making this possible. Thanks for, uh, to you, the listeners, and that concludes this edition of the uh, Ag Market Network. Thank you.